Hello, hello. I'm Dr. Yishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. Nice to see you here. So, in early January, I went to Las Vegas for a CES conference. It's basically a technology conference showing you the trend for all the new technologies for the next several years. In that conference, I did notice there's some interesting new technologies to improve our sleep health. I was fascinated by that. After that conference, I happened to interview two scientists from Sleep Number to share with us how they combine high technology and sleep science. Now let's welcome today's guests. Sleep Numbers Head of Sleep and Behavioral Science, Dr. Mark Alloy, and VP of Sleep IQ Health, Raj. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast, Mark and Raj. Welcome, Raj, again, and uh, these two wonderful guests from Sleep Number. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So before we get started, uh, how about you to introduce yourself to our audience so our audience know who you are, what you do, to get familiar with you? Sure, I can go first, Mark. Um, my name is Raj Mills, and I'm responsible for health and research at Sleep Number. Um, I've been at Sleep Number for about two and a half years, and prior to joining, um, I came from a medical device background. Uh, working at companies like J&J um, and LifeScan specifically. Um, so I'm bringing that lens to Sleep Number and um, just uh, the having a role like, uh, you know, in, in the health and research spectrum is indicative of Sleep Number's interest in really transforming a smart bed into a health platform. Yeah, and I'm Mark Aloya. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist by training with area of expertise in health psychology, predominantly in behavioral sleep medicine. <clears throat> My background is, is both mixed. It, it's both academic and industry. I've had a large academic background, mainly studying adherence to CPAP and health behavior change where sleep is concerned. Um, and then I've worked for industry also in the past 16 years. I worked for Philips and I'm new to sleep number uh, almost, I'm coming up on my year anniversary, and um, I'm the head of sleep and behavioral sciences for Sleep Number. Great. Sounds like, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of great discussion because both of your background is so interesting. So um, actually, I was in Las Vegas for a tech conference just earlier, like last week. And I am surprised to see there are quite some sleep-related new technologies got presented there, and even from different countries, and uh, works on research. I saw a Korean team, some Asian team, and a team from here. So I'm curious, what do you think, right, we can look forward to for the next several years in this high-tech um, combined sleep science? Absolutely. I uh, again, Mark. I'll just start, and you can, you know, interrupt me at any point. Um, I, I think that it, it was a great observation that you saw in terms of the global representation um, at tech conferences, and really, that's driven by the fact that sleep is a a global issue, or poor quality sleep is a global issue, and we're seeing the 
um, the, the cost burden to that issue is so high globally. It's in the trillions of dollars. Um, and so that's why the emergence of technology to help with that cost burden and, of course, health burden, most importantly, is emerging. And so we're seeing a lot of, number one, tracking, being able to track and define sleep, because as you know, it's very, it's very difficult to find and understand sleep. We're not awake during that time to understand what's happening to us. Um, so we need technology to really, you know, lay out what was happening while we were in a state where we can't determine for ourselves what's, what's going on. And also, I would say that uh, emergence of technologies is providing the scientific community also with a view of sleep in its natural state, how people are sleeping at home. And so I'm not at all surprised that you saw that. And, you know, we're really grateful that there are technologies that are helping us understand sleep better. Yeah. And I'll just add a couple of thoughts to that. Um, agree with everything. And, and I'll say that I always look back and think sleep is a new field. It's a relatively new field in medicine. It's this is not like cardiovascular disease, right? So so if we take that lens and say, you know, we've been doing a lot of work around creating awareness and that work has has taken root. It really has globally. There's a greater awareness of sleep as a health behavior, as a pillar of health. And so we take that with a, a marriage of the growth of technology broadly and monitoring and health behaviors. And it's like the perfect storm. So you absolutely see a global representation at, at places like CES. And that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yes. So sounds like this is definitely a trend. Even within China, I noticed since 2018, uh, I heard the government pass some kind of like policy in the whole medical field, ask a lot of uh, high-end hospitals start setting up sleep centers, sleep clinics within big hospitals. So we can definitely see this become more and more important and uh, a lot of change. Um, and now going to the technology. But I think you, you both know there are so many different sleep disorders, right? Mm -hmm. uh, more than 80 or 90 different ones where they recognize. So for this te sleep technology, um, how many, how much it really can do. I I can think about, or I know, for example, help insomnia somewhat because I treat a lot of insomnia patients when they cannot sleep better. The first thing they want to do is to change something in their bedroom, including the mattress, right? And, uh, um, and sleep apnea, I think, I know sleep number has this uh, wonderful tracking system and uh, the bed can move up and down. Uh, I, I think I mentioned before, actually considering buying my parents some, uh, let them try. So these are good, but there are many other problems, disorders, what do you think? Can technology really cover those as well? Maybe I'll start this one, Raj. If it's okay, we'll take turns. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's an excellent question. And it's a question I ask myself all the time when I see new technology come up. And I, I think that the onus is on the technology companies to not just stop at tracking, right? So they're, we're going to get really good at tracking sleep. We're going to be able to tell you, and we already can in many ways, like how much REM you have. But but people often even don't understand what REM is. They think REM is deep, restful sleep, right? So 
<clears throat> the awareness is not even really there some in some cases to have such fine-grained assessment of sleep. We have to move just beyond tracking to enabling people to really change their behavior and engage positively with sleep as a positive health behavior. And that's a lot harder to do. And I think that that requires, and of course I'm biased because I'm a clinician, but that requires clinicians to get involved with industry to help move forward. How do we message information to help change behavior? How do we message the data to help engage people in the process of medicine when they need to be engaged in the process of medicine? And one of the things we're very proud of, two things I'd say at Sleep Number that we're proud of, and I know I've only been there for less than a year, but I, I should say that I've owned a Sleep Number bed for 22 years. Like I, I really believe in in the bed. It's a, it's, it's, you know, I was a convert long ago. But two of the things I'd say we're proud of is our sensing is effortless. All you have to do is sleep. You don't have to wear something. And so engagement with our sensing is much higher than engagement with a wearable device, right? Because you you sleep every night. And then the second thing is that we don't just sense, we we do. You have options that you can change the bed to have better sleep in a very personalized way. Now, even incorporating temperature control, right? Where you can heat certain, you can heat your feet, you can heat your core, you can cool your core. I mean, so there's a whole lot of opportunity to do, and we're not done there as uh, as well. And, and, and I'm sure Raj will speak also to the idea that everything we do is based in science. And I, I certainly, I don't think either one of us would work here if that weren't the case. So I guess that answers your question to a degree, but I think that technology companies uh, have a lot of responsibility. When you when you see an opportunity in in healthcare, you also have a responsibility. Yeah, and uh, absolutely, Mark. And I I you know especially loved your comment about the marriage of clinical uh, background and technology uh, backgrounds. And you know I think that's really important in at the expertise, the scientific expertise to even interpret some of the data that is collected uh, from by the technology components of of a platform. Um, so you know movement, for instance, um, how do we interpret movement and where are the thresholds with determining if movement is, um, if the movement we're seeing is dangerous or normal, you know, and that is a really important part of any technology we see is to understand the scientific backing or the scientific information that was used to develop that technology. And I would say the other component, you know, you said this perfectly, we know that sleep impacts so much of our health so much of our health. You know, certainly the technology we're seeing today is just scratching the surface on what we can see in the future. And, you know, I, I think we have a bright road ahead of us in terms of the growth of technology to uncover more and more um, sleep-related health issues. Um, you know, Mark brought up REM. There's there's a whole field of cognitive health, right, that we may be able to uncover through technology um, you know, and passive technology. So it's a matter of time before, you know, different components of technology address a broader uh, health spectrum than the the big ones like apnea and insomnia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sounds like uh, there's a lot we can expect from the uh, advanced technology development in the future. And uh, um, yeah, I think you touched on several very important point. 
one of the things I'm curious is, you know, after collecting all this data, especially in sleep number, I know all this metrics, right? Every night you sleep, there's a huge amount of data. How can consumers use this data? Uh, I know on the background as scientists, we do research, we can figure out, we can move the technology forward. But I'm curious on the consumer end. Recently, I've been writing something in Chinese to educate people about REM sleep. Since uh, Mark, you mentioned REM sleep. In China, actually, it's the opposite. Chinese culture, we think REM sleep is bad, right? It's light stage of sleep. Uh, A lot of Chinese think REM sleep too much means you sleep poorly the night. Or if you remember you dream too much, that means a poor night of sleep. So there's a lot of misinterpretations and may lead to anxiety and other things. And if there are other sleep disorders in the picture, going to be even worse. So, uh, and that often I see the problem with wearables. This tracking device is people got the data and then they are confused. They have their own idea how to make sense of the data. And then, of course, lead to even possibly poor sleep habits. Um, do you have any thoughts, suggestions to our audience, right? As consumers, as people who don't really know much about science and what this kind of data can do to us? Is it more helpful or more harmful? That's a fantastic question. And, um, you know, I'll I'll just start by saying that, you know, every individual absorbs and um, wants to absorb information in different ways. And so uh, I'll I'll give you sleep number as the example, because I know it so well, but we provide insights, individual insights in a way that um, no matter what your preference of absorbing that insight is, there's a mechanism to do that. So, you know, when you first open the app in the morning, there's a very high level, simple indication of how did you sleep overall? And then for those who want to dig in deeper and look at what does that mean? You know, how how long did I sleep? How, how efficiently did I sleep? You know, how uh, long did it take me to get to sleep? That information is there and can be uncovered in the stepwise process. What was my HRV? What was my um, average heart rate? Those are things that some people don't want to know. It's too much information. So there's a method to how to uncover some of the information that um, you know can can reach all audiences, all consumers. But it is a challenge and it is a responsibility of technologists to be able to communicate to all different types of consumers as they need to see that material. I totally agree. I mean, health literacy varies, right? How much information, how much how much you understand something like heart rate variability dictates to some degree how it, what it means to you. So my advice would be a couple of things. If you're if you find yourself looking constantly at your tracker and feeling anxious, don't look so much at your tracker, right? <laughs> the intention is never to create anxiety. You know, we often talk about insights and insights are extremely valuable. If you feel confident that you can make a change in your life and that you can change the path forward. So these these trackers become good for people who have a great deal of confidence in understanding, yeah, if I maybe if I do this, I'll I can look and see how at the outcome. 
The other, another piece of advice I'd give to consumers is, is just sort of a rule of thumb of my own is never make a decision on what you did and its effect on your sleep in less than four nights, right? Because you can always have a bad night or you can always have a good night. And that, and, you know, I've had, I also saw insomnia patients and I would see <clears throat> some who would, who would come up with what I thought were really kind of bizarre interventions for their insomnia that they felt worked because they tried it one night and they had a good night's sleep. So something like insomnia is naturally intermittent. And so you got to give it several nights of, of trying something to see if it works. And then, you know, I would say the last piece of advice I would, I would give is look like Raj said, go as deep only as you want to go and find a metric that resonates with you. And then just try to follow that metric when you create an intervention for yourself. Like I'm going to exercise more and see if that helps my sleep great opportunity to do so, or I'm going to stop caffeine after 1 p.m. and see if that helps my sleep. Great opportunity to do so. Give it a week, follow that metric and see, and, you know, be curious, but don't be anxious. Yeah, wonderful suggestions. I definitely love this. I think it's very uh, useful and people can just take them and apply them to the, to their life. But at the same time, I think both of you mentioned a really important point is this Sleep is an individualized thing, right? This personalization of sleep habit, sleep need, sleep pattern. So everyone's sleep is unique. And that's also a message I keep on trying to hammer down to all my audience. But at the same time, I think each individual, they may not realize it or have a hard time to use this guide their own life. Because you know, we are social animals. We all somewhat compare to other people, compare to what we see on the social media, on the news. Um, and so people possibly is not sure what their individual needs are. So I'm curious in sleep number, I know you are evidence-based, really value research. That's that's what I'm really, I really like sleep number too. So I'm curious in sleep number, how do you plan or already been doing this to help people personalize their yeah. sleep needs, right? How to use technology, use big data, all this to help people understand what their own sleep going to look like, how to improve that? Yeah, I mean, it's a that's a great segue to our mission. Like our mission is to is to help people create, you know, the best quality sleep through individualized sleep experiences, right? So, mm -hmm. and I think that's what the success of this company has been about. So that you have control over the pressure of your bed and and recognizing, I mean, it was groundbreaking to recognize that oftentimes two people sleep in the same bed and they have different needs, right? Mm -hmm. So that starts with pressure, but it doesn't end there. It it continues on to climate. It continues on to the articulation of the bed. If you have a cold or if you have reflux or heartburn or something and you want to raise the head of the bed or you're a snorer. And so I think in our DNA, we understand that it's an individualized sleep experience. How we operate on that, you know, is through multiple manipulations that you can use with the bed and the frame to individualize your experience, but it's not going to stop there. And I'm sure Raj can talk a little bit about algorithm development, but some of the things that we do, and, and other companies are dabbling in this as well, is we use our massive amounts of data 
to be able to develop algorithms to detect things like influenza. And when influenza is coming on for you on your side of the bed, and then to give you information about the even the progress of that, and when you're likely sort of over the hump and getting better. And we can do that. We can do that because we have large amounts of data. And it doesn't, it's not going to stop at things like influenza. It's not going to be a rapid, rapid process because we're doing it in a very scientific manner. But those algorithms are built on large models, but they become individual. That's really great, Mark. And I think, you know, just to build on that algorithm uh, piece that absolutely this, the ability to collect individualized data, not for the entire bed, but for in the individual sleeper gives us that opportunity to develop algorithms that can, that can provide insights, trends on around heart rate and heart rate variability, your specific trends, not someone else's trends, you know, and, you know, to your earlier point about comparison, sometimes I know just within my family, you know, we all kind of compare our data, but we don't compare it in a way. I think the the language is a little bit different. It's not comparing, I got better sleep, you didn't. It's about, you know, did you look at your HRV today? Or, hey, I noticed this about my um, heart rate last night and I couldn't fall asleep maybe because I you know, watch too much TV. You know, it's it's a matter of conversation about your individual self and how your behaviors impact your uh, sleep and how your sleep impacts your behaviors. And you're you're able to see that in the data. And the um, you know, the the digital experience highlights some of that for you. So you don't necessarily have to go back and, you know, have the brain algorithm yourself. Our algorithms point out um certain things that are very specific to you as an individual versus even the person sleeping next to you. It's fascinating, to be honest. It's um, such great opportunity to be able to to do that. Yeah, I think that's all. That's definitely the beauty of having data, and then mm-hmm. we can build this sample and uh, how to compare ourselves with a larger uh, general pattern of sample, and also how we compare to ourselves right across mm-hmm. time ourselves what which days what can sleep is better what can sleep is worse so mm-hmm. remind me of you know psychological testing when we do iq tests we often compare to the general whole national data but we also compare to ourselves to see where we are what can be done which area need to be improved so gaining trust is is a part of our job right we want to gain trust, uh, the trust of our users, of our consumers. Um, and so that that's where science contributes as well. So to me, I know to me and Raj, especially, this is very important. Everything is guided by good scientific method, by good scientific outcomes that we publish, that we, you know, on our scientific advisory board, we have four of the top, world's top sleep scientists. You know, we are hopeful that our consumers, our users can go into this relationship with trust so that the individualized experience is something that they can they can trust and they don't necessarily go to the external comparison to say well, you know does this resonate with you um because it it is sleep is really very individualized i mean health is very individualized yeah definitely and from um other than this data uh, driven 
kind of like research and point of view. I'm also curious, Mark, you mentioned earlier, sleep is such a young field, right? So we keep on seeing new research, new findings coming out, and there are new things guide us to think, oh, this way, that way, and this is a factor, or this factor can be applied in a different way than we thought before. So uh, I'm curious in sleep number when all these scientists, researchers work together, uh, how do you incorporate newly published research data into your existing research and data to use it to guide consumers even further? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, um, when Mark and I first met, some of our initial conversations were around the fact that how do we decide on what our next item to tackle? Because as we said, you know, sleep, sleep impacts our entire body, you know, uh, from cognitive health to metabolic health to cardiac health, uh, you name it, pretty much sleep impacts um, that, uh, you know, the our entire body. And so we see different publications that are coming out all the time, you know, on a, on a daily basis, we're, we're tracking what new science is uh, being published, what new science is being presented. And it's really a matter of trying to figure out, you know, what our strategy and our uh, capacity is and our uh, long-term roadmap versus our immediate roadmap versus short-term roadmap. Some of the science is very young. So, you know, we, in, in order to incorporate that young science, we probably need to wait until it's more mature. And then we can re- determine how can we pull that in to impact a consumer. Other science is uh, farther along, you know, for instance, science around apnea, there's there's a lot of work around apnea. There's a lot of work around insomnia. Those are things that we can address sooner. We have, uh, as you know, really amazing partnerships um, with the American Cancer Society. We have research collaborations with the Mayo Clinic, um, and we are continuing to look at some of these longer term impacts of sleep on different parts, on cardiovascular health, on cancer. Those are things that we'll eventually bring into the platform, but we want to make sure it's ready for prime time and the research is mature enough to present. So there's a lot of discussion and tracking and monitoring of research within the company. And we really have to, it's a balance of when to bring in certain research versus when to let research mature on its own. Yeah. And uh, and I'll just add, like, you know, we talk to our scientific advisory board. We mm-hmm. we get their advice on it. We also will look at our roadmap and say, we want to do things that we know we can influence as well with, with the bed and with our partnerships. And so, um, but Raj is right on in terms of, you know, it's it's compelling to, to chase something new, but there's a lot that we know, like cardiovascular disease and sleep as well. There's a lot that we know that we can operate on with our large data. And I'll just mention our our users have the ability to contribute to the future of sleep science, and they do. So we have a, a you can opt in and into being open to research. We have over 325,000 people who've said, yes, I want to be a part of your research. And we can do survey research with them in a very short period of time, get 10,000 people in a study and follow them for a couple of weeks 
And by the way, they all have biometric data that they're collecting every night. And they've been collecting before the study and after the study. And so we can really look in a sophisticated way at things like building algorithms. And that's that's their contribution to the field of sleep science. So it's also a nice way of generating hypotheses. We can ask certain questions. If we're if we have an interest in something like reflux or snoring or apnea, we can ask certain questions and see how many people we have in that group and that cohort. And that gives us some indication as to whether this is something worth pulling toward our roadmap. Um, so it's, it is very exciting. I mean, that, that's often, I think, the the best and the hardest part of the job is that there's so much opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's so exciting. And uh, possibly, uh, like, nervous a little bit, but at the same time, very exciting, right? Like, I'm also curious where this all technology and this development going to go. And I also, I want to touch on the business side a little bit. Mm. You know, I think a lot of things been changing this, this year when I was in the conference. I noticed some company, they don't only do mattress. They do whole like home setting, right? Or bedroom setting, uh, which I think is great because it's all in one. Mm. And if you want to improve your sleep, it's not just a mattress issue. It's a lot of different things get into it, including our cognitively, how we understand the sleep. And also, like my clinic, we notice, and I think this is a big trend, this telemedicine, this uh, internet usage, right? And the internet gets faster and faster nowadays. And uh, a lot of people start getting used to seeing doctors, getting help, getting resources online, much more than pre-COVID. So I think all this may get us all, business-wise, to somewhere different than before. So I'm curious, what do you predict the future directions or certain things you want to focus on first or any like business-wise, right? The past, um, mm -hmm. anything you can share with us? Uh, I was just going to tee this up for you, Raj, because Raj is the expert in this, but I'll say that, you know, as a company, we do have peripherals that, that we sell, you know, I can, we have our weighted eye mask. We have um, mm. we have weighted blankets, and there's actually data. I just saw a study not long ago that a weighted blanket, a certain at a certain weight compared to your body weight, can actually help increase the release of melatonin. Which it was actually a very well done study too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we do have peripherals, and we're and you'll see more of that coming out um, that incorporate things like light and sound, and you know, an, an acknowledgement that there are other things than a mattress. Um, we don't see ourselves as a mattress company as more of we're seeing ourselves as a, a sleep health company. But um, and then I'll I'll just say that we also have partnerships that we're that we're working with partners who bring other things to the table. And Raj, I know you'll have a lot to talk about on that business side. So I'll let you handle that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to Mark's point, we announced um, at CES as well that um, we have a smart furniture that I think Mark was alluding to. Um, and so the smart furniture has sound and lighting capability uh, embedded. And um, not only is there a capability to have sound and lighting, but programmed sound and lighting. So um, the, they're both initiated and, um, you know, turned off at, uh, according to a routine. So, so um, smart, you know, kind of a smart um, furniture as we call it. So, so those are, those are definitely things that we're thinking about as well. 
Um, you know, to address your question about telehealth, absolutely, you know, COVID, I think, I know, accelerated telehealth uh, platform. But even before COVID, we were we were um, starting to move in that direction. And we, you know, COVID just just give, gave us a kick in there. But, you know, I think telehealth um, emerges very nicely with home health detection uh because it is a mechanism you know as we as we talked about earlier home health detection is great but then what do you do with that information and telehealth provides a really great mechanism then to take action on on that data and you know enable uh clinical practice to view that data in in a much more meaningful way than in the past when we may have taken a, a physical report or a, you know a printed out report from um you know something that that was sent to us by by a technology now there's opportunity to integrate very cohesively with at home technology and telehealth and if we're looking at overall clinical trends there is you know, just from a healthcare perspective, there's a lot more of a, um, a a push and a movement of clinical practice going into health. We saw this long time ago, it, well before COVID, in just minimizing the number of days um, of a hospital stay and trying to move people back to the home. You know, just starting from something as as fundamental as that to now really accelerating how much care can we really have at home versus you know really saving the hospital for the more um serious type of care so in that whole spectrum as as healthcare is moving to the home and we have technology at home um you know that that could um be interpreted and used by clinicians it's actually like a perfect intersection and so telehealth is a great mechanism to have that merger, you know, be actualized. Mm, yeah, I, I think this is great to hear. That remind me, I saw quite several companies focusing on uh, senior health. And uh, I know when we get older, right, at nighttime, we may have fall risk when we get up and from sleep and go back to sleep. And this walking distance in the dark uh, could be dangerous. So I can easily like imagine this home detection technology, or if you have everything incorporated in a sleep health environment at home, and then there's a lot of uh, great things could happen from them for different age of population. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, you, you brought this up earlier about changes in sleep as we age, you know, different moments in our life through pregnancy or, you know, different activity levels in our life, our sleep needs change and, and vice versa, our activity impacts our sleep. And as we age, you know, there, there are situations where we may need, um, articulation for for recovery or um, different types of heating and cooling and temperature adjustment as as our bodies are changing and detection and you know identification so many um, health events occur at nighttime even in our beds there's such opportunity for us to you know address them in in different ways 
Yeah. And, and, you know, already we've thought about things like under bed lighting, right? So when you get out of bed, the light can come on so that you can kind of navigate your way if you need to use the restroom and come back and so forth. And, and bed detection can tell us how long someone's out of bed, mm-hmm. right? For a period of time at, and at, at a greater risk, maybe of falling and so forth. Um, we're also doing research that's longitudinal research with older adults who, um, you know, run the risk of health problems and progression to greater need of care when cognitive decline enters in. Now that those are long-term longitudinal studies, but continually monitoring these biometrics to allow us to say, how can we, in a smart and scientifically sound way, detect the beginning of a situation so that we can give um, an indication that there might be a problem uh, on the horizon. And so really, I think as a consumer company, that's where our primary focus is is going to be is, and Raj and I were talking about this earlier today, you know, is identifying the early situation. And then I think telehealth just lowers the bar for entry into the medical system, right? We're not, we're not going to treat medical disorders. We're going to help people identify when when treatment might be needed, and then hopefully have the right partnerships to allow a seamless entry into the medical system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this. Just like what you both mentioned earlier, the resource of healthcare is limited. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, you know, we don't only want to keep an intervention model, we want really start develop more and more prevention model. And yeah. sounds like your company, right? Your mission, your goal, part of that is to think about how to really use technology, use data to help us prevent, predict early intervention instead of, you know, uh, really medical add on like this medical healthcare burden. And, and with this, if this can develop even further, I can imagine you guys can collaborate with medical providers with, you know, uh, other organizations, hospitals very closely. And then it's going to be a full loop. Yeah, Mm -hmm. more severe issues professionals can handle. But before there's there's a lot of things you guys can provide. Yeah, I'll just say like having worked for a medical device company for 16 years and now working for a consumer company, the approaches are very different and they need to be very different. And so it's really about developing those partnerships. Um, Medical device companies have a hard time engaging consumers, right? Mm -hmm. They're further down the funnel. And in consumer companies historically haven't always, you know, we understand, I don't want to say we, because I think in our company it's different, but consumer companies generally understand the importance of prevention, but they stop at a certain point. And, Mm -hmm. And so it's really about empowering the user to follow her journey, however she wants that journey to be, right? To make choices, to have choices, to be able to prevent exacerbation or or condition, and to identify one that comes up when it comes up and be able to make decisions on where to go forward. So we're pretty cognizant of that. Yeah. And I'll add that at the at the time that someone is in the medical system, they've already discovered something that they need to address. But it's the critical time is before they've entered that system, when they're at home and they don't know that there may be something that they need to um, address with the medical community. So, uh, you know, that's that's a, a blind spot. It's a blind spot to the medical community. It's a blind spot to the consumers themselves. So as Mark said, this 
these are, you know, technologies and especially knowing our technology gives her that opportunity to find out about herself that, you know, that she might not even know. It gives her that insight to then then enter the medical community. And and Ishan, you said it yourself. You're thinking about buying one for your parents. Mm-hmm. There's a whole other side, and that's caregiving, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have this sandwich generation now where we're taking care of our kids and we're taking care of parents at the same time. We're often separate from where they live um, and want to be able to to do what we can to help our parents age in in the way that they choose to age, right? And sleep is a is a nice sort of period of time. I mean, it's a third of our life, but it's a nice period of time to be able to to monitor and detect for problems to occur. So, you know, there's a whole other side to the peace of mind at being a caregiver, knowing that someone's your that your person you're caring for is being monitored effectively. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited. And I always love to talk about technology and sleep science. But, you know, a lot of times feel like these two fields are separate. Uh, tech people really know tech, but they don't know much about sleep science. And sleep mm-hmm. scientists or sleep doctors know a lot about sleep, but not very sensitive to technology. I'm happy to talk to you guys because you really combine these two so well and know how to talk to consumers, which I think is what uh, our audience need to hear, to understand. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. that. Appreciate that. We we take great pride in in that combination for sure. Yeah. So this is almost the end of the show. So at the end, is there any last wisdom you want to share with our audience or any resource information you want to pass out to our audience? I know we've we touched on this quite a bit, but I just wanted to reiterate that it is a bi-directional relationship between uh the, the scientific world and the technology. And so, you know, I think that it, using, again, using sleep number as the example, um, not only are we providing consumers, uh, not only are we using scientific evidence and scientific backing to provide consumers with um, a positive sleep experience and awareness of their sleep, but that sleep data is helping to drive new research, which un- which then uncovers um, the relationship between sleep and you know a- anything else uh, for for the next generation of uh, products to be implemented. So it is such a cyclical process, and um, that that relationship that you just mentioned that those two uh, very critical pieces of the puzzle having that those two pieces working together in a give and take uh, manner just is one of the the highlights of, of being at Sleep Number for me. Yeah, and I, so I don't know if this is wisdom, but I'll share something. <laughs> you know, so uh, when I think of when I think of sleep, your, your listeners are clearly interested in sleep, mm-hmm. right? So at this point, when you're at the point where you're interested in sleep, just recognize this is going to be a wisdom about behavior change. The behavior change is not a straight line. Nothing in life is a straight line except for aging. You know, everything else kind of has its ups and downs. And have some compassion for yourself when you're trying to make changes that that are hard and you're struggling. It's okay to struggle. Um, get social support. Get support from others. Get support from people, trusted people. 
and they could be trusted companies or they could be trusted professionals. Don't be afraid to ask for help um, from your doctors. Don't be afraid to talk to someone in behavioral sleep medicine if you have a, a sleep issue. That person will send you to a, a physician if you need to be seen by a physician. So, you know, if you take it seriously enough to listen to this podcast, great. Congratulations. Keep taking it seriously because it is a health behavior that can affect so much of your life. Um, and understand that there'll be ups and downs, that you'll have good nights and you'll have bad nights. And that's completely normal. Don't let that don't let that freak you out or make you super anxious and and avoid making changes. Wonderful. Thank you both. Thank you so much for taking our time, sharing all this wonderful information with us. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So at the end, I have a question for you. After listening to today's interview, what do you look forward to the most regarding the future development of sleep technology? What is one thing you really hope can happen in this field? Leave me a message. Let me know. I'm Dr. Yishan. Thank you for listening. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.